All right, welcome back to the Expert Edge. Today, have I got a treat for you. So there are there are a few people in the expert industry that have had a profound impact on me. And the interview you're going to hear today is by far one of those. Uh, he, he is an incredible communicator, marketer, and um, coach. His name's Donald Miller. He's a multiple times New York bestselling author. Uh, he's written a ton of books and some of his recent books is How to Grow Your Small Business, which I recommend everyone should read. He's also about to release a new book called Coach Builder. Uh, for me, the most impactful book that was on that had impacted me was Story Brand. If you haven't read Story Brand, I'd so recommend you read Story Brand. I feel like it articulates marketing in such a practical way. Uh, and so it, it was just profound for me in understanding Story Brand. And so this conversation is all about growing your coaching business, how to articulate your message in a way that truly makes an impact. Uh, Donald has been running his business for well over a decade. Uh, he's been an author for a significant period of time. And most of all, what I love about Donald is he's built a life where his family, his priorities and his lifestyle are at the core of it, but he's also built a you know multi eight figure empire. Uh, and so what you're about to hear is a true masterclass when it comes to your thinking and your building of your coaching business. So let's talk about how to scale your coaching business, how to market your coaching business. I mean, we cover so many topics, but you're going to be blessed with Donald Miller. You are listening to the Expert Edge podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage position themselves as authorities and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. Donald Miller, welcome to the Expert Edge. So good to be with you, Colin. <laughs> hey, I'm so excited to have this conversation. I'm not going to lie, I, I interview some incredible people on the Expert Edge, um, all people who have built very successful expert businesses. Uh, and also successful lives. That's what I'm interested in is the balance. Uh, a lot of them have scaled up very quickly over the last couple of years. They're still kind of young, fresh in their career. And then there's the statesmen. There's the, the people who've been around for a while, who who've, who've, knows what it's like to actually build something long-term, and, um, and that's you. I'm excited to have you on the, on the Expert Edge and, and explore the, the experience and the wisdom that you have to share. So. Um, for those who don't know you, uh, I think a lot of people, my listeners will know you, but could you, I'm curious, how do you introduce yourself in this context? Like, how would you introduce yourself? Because I feel like you do so many things, but I'm curious, like, what would you, how would you introduce yourself, Donald? <laughs> Gosh, you know, honestly, and this goes out to, you know, coaches out there, it's contextual yeah. because, you know, if it's career oriented, I'll say, look, when people have trouble talking about what they do in such a way that, that they can get people interested, they call me because I'm good at sound bites that make people interested in what you're doing. That leads to business for me. You know, as soon as I say that, my uncle has a company, he can't get anybody to buy his product or my, so, you know, I, you know, so that, that's that part of it. I think when, you know, when I'm just talking to friends or a new acquaintance, you know, it's the stuff that, that I love most. It's, it's, I'm a husband, I'm a dad, you know, I'm a business owner. 
you know, those are the, the you know, that would be, that's my, that's my identity. Uh, but if I'm building business, you know, I start with the problem that I solve and then I explain how I solve it. And that tends to make people ask for my business card. Mm. Uh, so it, it is just kind of contextual uh, in, in answer to your question. I think that for many coaches, course creators, they struggle to articulate um, their message. And yeah. I feel like you are just a genius in this space. In fact, I had the pleasure of spending a day with you. I know myself and a few friends booked you for a day. Uh, and we, there was a few moments where you you basically took our business and gave us like a sentence uh, about kind of what we do. And for me, like that was worth like the whole investment that like <laughs> three minutes of, of, obviously the whole day was great, but that, that little sound bite was just incredible. I think you said something to me along the lines of, because obviously I teach selling from stage and you were like, well, most coaches and course creators don't realize they're leaving hundreds of thousands of dollars on the table every year because they don't have a sell from stage or a sell from webinar strategy in place. And, and that's what we help people do. Uh, and we do that in, there you go. in a particular <laughs> way, right? You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> so can you, can you, cause I love to get into the value right away. Can you talk, can you talk to the topic of simplifying your message? As yeah. a coach, as a course creator, what like what does that look like, and what's the maybe a framework that they could start to think about in doing that? Well, before I even do that, let me tell you this: I think one of the biggest problems that coaches have, that small business owners have, is they don't believe that they can spread their business easily, that they can grow their business easily using a magic sentence. You know, it's not a magic sentence. It's just cl a clear sentence that works like magic. You know, for instance, I was with, um, you know, multi-billion dollar company, a suite of products, uh, and one of their products was was Dream Bone Dog Bones, right? Dog bones and little packages that you get at Target, and they're they're called Dream Bone. And you know, they, they, their their offer to the world was you know healthier than rawhide or something like that. And I said to them, they're selling $100 million of these things, by the way. And uh, I said, you know, I have a dog. I've had a dog for the last 20 years and will have a dog for the rest of my life because I love dogs. The only reason I buy them a dog bone is because I want them to be distracted. Like if I wanted to give them a treat, you know, you give them Cheerios or That's so true. if I'm giving them a bone, it's because I've got a cocktail party at the house tonight and I need them back in the back den. <laughs> chewing on a bone. I said, have you ever thought about putting the best way to distract a dog on the package? And then maybe even like for small bones, say 30 minutes and big bones, say three hours. Like just put a time on and become known as the best way to distract a dog. Yeah. And they just looked at me like, no, we've never thought of that. I'm like, how much money do you think you would make? You're making $100 million now on this one product. How much do you think you'd make if I stopped a stranger on the street and I said, hey, what's the best way to distract a dog? And they said, dream bone. What if your marketing, the whole point of your marketing was to get the body politic to memorize that line? And you just caused everybody on, in America to memorize that line. The best way to distract a, bone, a dog is a dream bone. You know? And I said, how much money do you think you'd make? And they said, 200 million. <laughs> you know, like 500 million at least. And it's just words. And I think that's, that's my advice for everybody in business, including coaches and thought leaders. You need to own a problem. Like if there's a problem in the world today, 
and you need to figure out what's the best way, best problem to own, and then you need to own it. And I call owning a problem uh, psychological real estate. So it's, it's when I have a leaky roof, I call these people. Mm. When my dog needs to be distracted, I go get a dream bump. When I, you, you know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, like, like if New Orleans, if New Orleans tagline was the fastest trip to Europe is a trip to New Orleans, <laughs> tourism is going to go nuts. But I think the problem that almost all business leaders have is they don't, they don't realize it's that easy. Now, mm. coming up with the line is not easy, mm. but it's that easy. And I, and I even looked at this group and I said, you know, your, your boss is right over here. He owns the company. He owns all these companies that you guys. You're wondering, like, is he still going to pay me if all I do is come up with a tagline and put it on packaging? And I said, he is. He's going to pay you because you're going to make him five times as much money. And it's extremely hard to make it simple. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to keep throwing new shit in there. Stop. Stop talking. What's that old saying of like any idiot can make something more confusing? It takes genius <laughs> to make right. it simple, right? It takes it takes a genius, but it also takes what it really takes is discipline. Mm. Discipline to stop so what's talking. The, what's the mental framework with that? Like, what does that look like? Um, and maybe some examples in the coaching industry, because I know that you have a lot of coaches underneath you. You have a whole coaching arm of your business as well. Um, so, like. Yeah, what are some examples within the coaching industry? Or even I would love to ask, like, what do you think my problem is from your perspective? You know, what are you seeing with that and with other people? You mean the problem that you specifically solve? Yeah, what's solve? the problem I solve? I'd love to. I mean, you said it, you opened the podcast with it. <laughs> you know, people are leaving money on the table because they don't know how to sell from stage or they don't have a webinar strategy. Mm. I give them one so that they can make more money. That's it. You put right. that on the back of a business card. So it's and that the, simple. The is, that's it. But the thing is, don't elaborate on it and repeat it over and over and over and over again and, and get people to memorize it. Like you are the sell from stage guy. Mm. And a lot of people will say, well, I'm not the only one. There's a bunch of them. Yeah. But my question is, if they are not disciplined in their messaging and you are, you will get that psychological real estate before they will. Mm. Even if they have a better product, if you know. Listen, you know, there's a guy, I don't know if anybody's heard of him, but he got elected president saying, make America great again. <laughs> he didn't elaborate. He, didn't, you know, he just, it was pretty well, simple. Like Jeb Bush is writing a book on education and immigration, like writing books, like hundreds and hundreds of pages of thoughtful explanations of how to, and you got 3% in the polls. You know, so now, now I'm not a fan, by the way, of either Republicans or Democrats. I think they're both destroying America as, as two parties. but. At the same time, that is a good understanding of how powerful a simple message is. And if it's complicated or nuanced or unclear, your competition is going to smoke you in the marketplace. Hmm. So what is, what's the mental framework you use with that? Do you go like problem? Yes. Solution? Next step? Like, is that kind of how you think about it? Yeah. I mean, in that, in that tagline or that line hmm. or that phrase, we call it a one-liner. I'm looking for a problem that hits people in the chest. I mean, as soon as you say it, the, 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 one of the examples I use is, is like an at-home chef, somebody who comes to your house and cooks for your family. You know, if they say, well, I'm an at-home chef, they're going to do a little bit of business. But if they say, you know, how most families don't eat together anymore. And when they do, they don't eat healthy. I'm an at-home chef. They're going to do 10x the business. 
Mm. So the real the real thing is to dial in that problem and articulate it in such a way that everybody who hears it goes, "Oh my word, that's me." Uh, and that is, you got to shop that a little. You got to workshop that a little bit to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, I feel like it's more colloquial. Like it's it's just kind of conversational. It's not like a hey, you know how families struggle to make meals at home, or but it's like that. It's the way. And do you use the you know how? I think you yeah. said that. Well, yeah, you can. You can. Mm. You know, there's so many ways to do it. Uh, mm. You know, but even like, you know, so many families struggle to make meals. That's a little bit elusive. So like, what do you mm. mean struggle to make meals? Like they're not good cooks or they're not. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It, so, you, it, it, so we'd go, okay, that's, that doesn't pass. Mm. Do you know how most families don't eat together anymore? Yes. Now that. Super clear. Super yeah, that, that's clear what I mean. And not elusive. And also like. When somebody hears it, they go, that's true. Mm. Now, here's the interesting thing. There's another lesson, Colin, because people, coaches who are listening to us are saying, yeah, but I solve so many problems. And I, you know, what about this and this? And yeah. I've got three revenue streams. There's a, there's a lesson to be learned from the aura ring. So aura ring is, this is a, not an aura ring, but I did have one for a while. Yeah. And it's, it's a Fitbit for your finger. So if you don't want to wear a, a watch or whatever, I'm not a big watch fan. I don't, I don't want to wear the whoop or whatever. So I bought this aura ring. Aura ring, you know, counts your steps, monitors your body temperature, you know, monitors your, I think you like your blood oxygen levels, all sorts of great data. Yeah, I had it for a while. Sleep. It's very good. Yeah, 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 it's very good product. And, but I noticed that after they'd kind of launched and hit the market, all of their commercials focused in on only one thing that the ring did, and that was monitor your sleep. And I guarantee you what they discovered was two things. One is people love the sleep app. And two, if we explain everything that this does, we won't sell it. Mm. But if we highlight one problem and let all the other problems be known after somebody buys it, we'll sell more of it. And so they began to position the Aura Ring as a sleep lab on your finger, mm. sleep laboratory on your finger, and they started selling a lot more of them. So... There's something for us to, be, to learn from that, because you might be able to help people with their leadership, their work-life balance, their, you know, reading their P&L, if you get into the nitty-gritty on frameworks. But you got to find something that you're, that you're identifying that you're going to own. Hmm. And, um, and It's like your leading problem, like the, the first problem that people are going to attach to. That's right. And then you have to be disciplined to stop there. Yeah. I will and let say, that sink in. I will say, Donald, I remember because I used to teach a whole bunch of things. I used to teach productivity, personal performance. My background's in life coaching. And I, I also taught presentation skills for a while. And that was one of my favorite things to teach. It was one of the first parts of my business. But it went okay, but not great. As soon as I went narrow with, I teach people to sell on stage, my business just literally exploded. Right. And like, do you notice that a lot when people get narrow around that? Like, talk to me about messaging and, and that kind of philosophy and narrowing down on, on angles. Yeah. I mean, are you, if, are you, you th here, just tell me and everybody listening can kind of answer for themselves. Do you think a medicine that solves the problem of a headache is going to do better than a medicine for all that ails you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because the, the better value is clearly the medicine for all that ails you, but we yeah. all know the medicine that's just for the headache is going to sell more. So you know, it's it, it feels like anything else feels like a diluted focus. You know that that this person is focused on too many things, and I, I always say that in the rolodex of the human brain, 
your clients are only going to file you under one problem. They're not going to file you under three or four. And if you can't explain what that one problem is, they won't file you in their brain at all. Mm. You, you've gone through many evolutions in your career from, you know, you started off blue like jazz, which from the research I said, I, I saw I did 45 weeks as bestseller on New York Times, uh, memoir style, uh, faith-based. Then you went into story brand, which absolutely crushed it as well. That for me, I would say story brand for me was, the, that was one of the first times I truly understood marketing. I would say I read that book and I was, and I'd recommend everyone to go out and read that if you haven't yet. It's just, you know, it's, I feel like it's a pillar in understanding marketing out there. And, and that I read that and just, it just blew me away. And then I know that I, I actually just read How to Grow Your Small Business, which is one of your recent ones. Love that book. I've recommended that to all of our, our coaching clients. Um, and then I know you've got a new book around coach building. But you've done, gone through many evolutions. What does that look like to own the next problem and to clean up the work of what you did before? Or do you just leave it and then own the next problem? Like, what does that look like in the evolutionary journey? Well, creatively, it's, it's it, you know, it's concentric circles. So, you know, I was a memoirist. In order, to, in order to write really good memoirs, I needed to study story and story structure because I wanted people to keep turning the pages. And then after seven or eight memoirs, I just didn't have anything else to say, but I was obsessed with story. So I wrote building a story brand and then that took off. And so I needed to build a business to support it. And in, in building the business, I learned all these other frameworks to build a business. So I wrote the next book. You know, I'm just kind of writing what I figured out last week. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> and I wish that there was more strategy to it than that, except I'm just a deeply curious person and I like figuring out very, very complicated things and making them easy and then explaining how to do it to somebody. I just love that. That's, that's, that, if there's a general theme, it's, the, it's to make the complicated simple mm. and so that people can take action that improves their lives. That would, be, that would be the general use that I have, I think, in the world. It just, it, you know, first it was religious ideas and then it became story structure as a filter for marketing and then it became growing a small business. Now, in order to certify all those coaches in the small business frameworks, I discovered that there are a thousand thought leaders like me certifying coaches, but none of them are helping them get clients. Mm -hmm. And so I began writing Coach Builder as a way to say, here's how you market yourself as a coach. Here's how you grow that coaching business. Here's how to position yourself. And here's how to make your first $100,000 as a coach or add $100,000 to your existing business by doing really simple things like creating a menu of products, putting up your website, which should, by the way, look like this, sending this email, and I write it for you, to a client to close the deal. You know, just very basic, basic things. And, um, and immediately, all these people who certify coaches are calling me saying, hey, can I get a thousand copies of your book? Because you're just going to help them sell more of my frameworks. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's exciting. I'm, I'm not a, a, one of those thought leaders who likes to be on a stage presenting in front of 10,000 people. I like being in a classroom all day long. And working with the same people, and you've been there, I, same people trying to help them all. That's oh, it my. Was, it was magic. I, when I when I came to your property, Donald, I was like, "This is the dream. This is what I want." A, 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 a really, dude, a really <laughs> nice <laughs> work, workshop room up the back. You know, you had the humidor room up the top. You had like everything going, and you got your pool and your family out the front. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. But I really love. You know, I've discovered that I just love coaches who are who are like me they're wired as teachers those are my people mm. 
And if I can help them make money, I, the coaches that I've hired in my past have changed my life. And if I can help them create sustainable coaching businesses, I'm really, really happy. So that's going to be a phase for a very long time mm. uh, that I'll be in that business. That. And what I also love, Colin, I love that we're, we're taking other thought leaders certifications and we're putting them inside the Coach Builder platform. So we have some just A-list thought leaders who want to put their certifications inside the Coach Builder platform, guys like you, for example. And so uh, what I love about that is I'm, I'm going to be able to get out of the business of promoting my own frameworks and into the business of promoting my friends' frameworks. And I'm looking oh, forward to that. that's cool. I didn't realize you're doing that as well. Yeah, so we're in the Amazon.com of coaching certifications. That's so cool. Um, I'm curious about in building your business, Donald. I know that you've you, you shared a few stories with with us about how you got a big advance and then you invested it, lost all your money. Um, you were overweight significantly, and you had to turn your health around. Um, you know, like the journey of building your family, um, all that sort of stuff. You've gone through so many evolutions. Um, from a from a transformational perspective, from building your business. What what have you noticed if you look back over the years? What was what was the some of the mindset shifts at the different levels in your business? And I know you run one of the most you know lucrative revenue based expert businesses in the world, and so you're at a very high level. Um, but but I know you didn't start there. So what was the journey of like that? You know, zero to three hundred thousand, and then what was some of the mindset shifts you had to make to go to like the maybe 2 million? And then I know you went from like 2 million to, you know, eight figures and above kind of thing. What did that yeah. look like? Well, there, you know, when I look back on my, my personal life, um, there were three, there's been three so far major mindset shifts. Hmm. The first one was realizing that I was seeing myself and I was identifying in life as a victim. Uh, dad split when I was a kid, you know, mom was a, she was tough and, you know, became this incredible woman. But when we were kids, she was stressed and, you know, you just had a hard time, uh, being nurturing. And so I learned that if I positioned myself as a victim, I could get attention from people and the nurturing that I needed. So when I, when I hit about 21 and was, you know, close to 400 pounds and, girls didn't like me, I had this amazing epiphany that like, maybe people aren't attracted to me because I'm such a victim. I don't mean such a pansy or such a wimp. I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm out there looking for rescuers, but what actually attracts people, especially in the masculine identity, is strength yeah. and competency. That realization immediately shifted my whole mindset, which tells you something, that a lot of people who see themselves as victims are only, they only see themselves as victims because they want something, mm. attention, nurturing, connection. But if they realize, oh, I could get more attention, nurturing, and correct connection if I were strong, they immediately become strong. <laughs> In other words, yeah, wow. they were never actually victims. They were just doing what works. So that was a big name. shift. Yeah. It's and, like I, you know, I, I got like a lap band surgery that helped me lose some weight and you know, started exercising and really kind of took control of that and have, you know, continued to battle with it. And by the way, I am seven pounds away as of this morning from having lost 200 pounds. <laughs> that, that's you know, incredible. I was a, Colin, I was what they call a big boy. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm feeling great. You look great. 
I, I feel great. It's more important than, I, you know, I just feel great. Yeah. I've done it really slowly because, you know, you get that lap band surgery, you figure out pretty quick that the only thing you can actually eat is ice cream. Then there's another battle. Yeah. And beer. Yeah. So, you know, that, you know, that was, that was number one. Yeah. Um, the, the second shift came when, uh, I, I realized that, uh, I needed to take ownership of my own life and my success. And that happened when I lost everything. When I lost all my money, mm. I thought that can't ever happen again. And I've been trusting too many people. I've been outsourcing like the management of my speaking, the management of my book contracts. You know, I've been kind of just being in this, this creative and not really saying, okay, I want to own my life and have a vision for it and go get it and be the one, the ultimate one that's responsible, extreme responsibility. Hmm. And I, it was at that rock bottom stage that I began to take responsibility for my life. And from that point on, you know, in almost every area, my life just began to improve. In fact, you know, we, we pretty much, I don't want to exaggerate. I, I think we pretty much give to charity every year, at, at least the amount that we lost when I lost everything. Wow. So, you know, that's every year we're giving away what I would consider having lost everything was, you know, that that's pretty, pretty neat. And I think that comes by, by extreme ownership. And then the third, the third mindset shift has been more, more recent, but has slowly been percolating. And that is that, and you, you identify with this so well, Colin, human beings are actually designed to change that they're, that you're, if you're not thinking of yourself in a very different way, every couple of years, you're not taking advantage of your ability to shift and change and pivot and become better. And, you know, I mean, my wife and I occasionally have to sit down and say, hey, you know, the guy you married is gone. <laughs> that is so true. And we got to figure out how we're going to stay compatible with this new dude. <laughs> and oh. you have got and I've got to do the same thing with you because we're both evolving people. And, you know, we keep we have to keep turning toward each other because the worst thing that could happen is like. You shift and evolve, and then you realize you're not compatible with the person that you married, and the reason they married you, and what they were attracted to, is no longer there. You know, which sometimes is codependency. People are attracted to codependent people sometimes because it gives them a sense of security. You know, all that stuff. But you know, most people, I'm really convinced. You know, by the time they're about 22, 23, they've figured out who they are, and so they stay that person forever without realizing. No, you were designed all the way up until you're 93. And you take your last uh, breath to keep changing and just keep getting better. And, and if you embrace that idea, you actually do just get better. You know, in other words, if you're bad at something and you're kicking yourself around, you just go, oh, that's me now. But tomorrow, that may be gone. Like, I, I you know, that is so I may true. be short-tempered right now, but that doesn't mean I'm short-tempered forever. I can, learn, I, can learn how to, I can learn my way out of this real fast. You know, yeah. and that kind of attitude just, just almost ensures that your, the quality of your life gets better and better. I feel like on I follow you on social and definitely recommend for everyone to go and uh, follow you on Instagram. Uh, you do a lot of you do a lot of uh, content around like human just human behavior and psychology. I feel you obviously have a curiosity around that. You talk. I was just I wanted to ask you. You talk a lot about narcissism on there. Yeah. Is there is there like a, a a curiosity about that? Like like where where does that come from? Like what's that fascination? I was just curious. 
Well, it, you know, it's 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 a little bit private, so I can't I can't let on I too much. But there there was just a friend that um, that I I had, you know, and things got weird in not only our relationship but his relationship with pretty much everybody around him. And it was it was in that season that I began thinking I do, I do not understand this person's behavior, and kind of went down this deep. You know, to be brutally honest, like YouTube <laughs> research page, what is this thing? where I just watched everything and everything I watched. I'm like, oh my gosh, this yeah. explains everything that's happening. And yeah. uh, you're and like, so, it's, it's not me. It's not me. <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, I I think all of us who are are are, are you know putting ourselves on camera doing podcasts, we have elements of narcissism. Hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I certainly fit that mold. But there's a difference with a narcissistic personality disorder. I mean, there's a a big difference. And uh, Colin, I'll tell you right now, you don't have it. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've worked with a few back in back in the old days of when I used to do a lot of consulting with corporations, and there was a few directors that I was like, "Hmm, that's an that's an interesting personality there. So that's um, right. That's so good. Uh, In terms of, I'm curious about you. You've grown a lot. You've changed a lot over the years. When you find yourself in a tough spot uh, in your business, maybe cash flow wise or just redirection wise, how do you manage yourself? Would you have any hacks that you use? Because everyone's in business, they're all small business owners listening to you and they're going to be finding themselves in challenging situations throughout the year. I know I will at some at different points throughout the year. How do you manage yourself? Like, Do you have any hacks you do, any habits you have in place, things that help you to stay on track and present? Yeah, I mean, you know, just in summary, one, stay calm. Uh, your mind is going to go to worst case scenario so fast, and worst case scenarios almost never happen. So you're wasting, you're wasting, you know, good, valuable energy. The second is I always ask myself, and my t- team actually ask ourselves the same question. That is, when things go bad, we, we all say to ourselves, what does this make possible? And when you actually ask yourself, what does this make possible? You see, you know, some hard stuff as, as opportunity. And it's amazing when you say, well, you know, I just lost my job, but what does this make possible? Or I just lost a client. What does this make possible? Your, your brain, which was going to spiral out of control now goes, actually, I can spend more time with my family, which I've been complaining about forever, you know, or, you know, whatever that is. And you, it's amazing how quickly you can go from the whole world is, closing in to, oh my gosh, I've actually kind of been praying for this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you know, that's, the, that's the, the second part of it. And then the third part, and this somehow is redemptive, uh, the stress is serving you. So the anxiety and stress you feel is serving you. I have a friend who um, has a son who cannot feel pain to the degree that he knows that he's hurt. And it's a, it's a medical condition. And so the, they're constantly having to kind of watch him to see if he's cut or he's hurt or he has a hurt because he's not going to come to you and say, you know, my thumb is dislocated. Uh, and, you know, it's a scary thing. And I think we all don't like stress and anxiety, but, there's, but it's serving you. And what it's saying is deal with this. And the more we kind of just feel it and put our head in the sand, so the, one of the quickest ways out of stress and anxiety is to make a list of what's going on and go solve it. A lot of times, stress and anxiety is you just need to have a heart-to-heart with somebody and you're putting it off. 
Hmm. You know, and uh, and so th- those three things, you know, are I think you know, stay calm. It's not as bad as you think it is. What does this make possible? And hey, stress is actually good for you. It's amazing how when you say stress is serving you, how much that thought reduces stress. Mm. Yeah, you can utilize it in a positive way. Yeah, it's not a bad thing, right? Mm. Fight or flight exists to help you stay on the planet. Yeah. Last, last kind of main question before we close out. I'm curious about, you went through a journey recently of professionalizing your business, which you talk a lot about in the How to Grow Your Small Business book. Um, and you said in the conversation that we had that um, you're, you're not naturally operational. Um, you're not naturally, you know, systems, like a systems person. What, what do you feel like if you look back over the last couple of years in that journey, what, um, where, where do you feel like people should start in professionalizing their business? And then what are like some of the maybe two or three stages they move through in doing that? And how did, yeah, how did you do it? And cause you're not naturally like that. Yeah, I think we, you know, we identified in our business that there were six major areas, leadership, which is vision casting and reverse engineering, how we're going to get there, including hiring and firing and putting together a team, you know, all that. Um, then there's marketing, uh, there's sales, there's product optimization, there is management of, of talent, uh, management and operations, and then there's cash flow. Yeah. Th- those are the six areas of your business that you really need to get your hands on, hmm. you and your leadership team. And so once I identified those, you know, and uh, once I identified those and began installing frameworks into each of those divisions of the company, we, we began to stabilize. And I could actually leave for a month. My, I took my family to London for a month. I might have called into the office twice, came back, and the, the business was actually making more money, which I tried not to be offended by. But, <laughs> Take, don't you know, so systems and processes are really important. It's, it's a phase. You know, when you first start a business, you really do just have to obsess about cash. Systems and yeah. processes are not that important. You've got to obsess about getting cash. Then when you start hiring help, that's when systems and processes become really important because if, if help leaves, you plug somebody else in that position and you've got their, their mm-hmm. systems and processes down. Usually systems and processes are what people start thinking about after about 10 employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the earlier you think about it, the less you're going to have to deconstruct it and rebuild it whenever you start succeeding. Yeah, so good. Uh, Donald, it's been a pleasure having you on the expert edge. Uh, there's been some incredible gold nuggets that have come out. Um, for those people who want to follow you, connect with you, obviously they can go to donaldmiller.com. Uh, you've got your new book coming out, which is coach builder. Um, and you can go and pre-order that, can't you? Yeah. If you go to Amazon, you can pre-order the book coach builder. And if you go to coachbuilderbook.com, you can get a 90 minute audio summary. The book comes out March 12th. So depending on when you're listening to this podcast, may or may not have come out, but you can get a 90 minute audio summary. It's going to take you through the eight steps it takes to grow a coaching business, which are things like creating a menu of product. Here's what your website needs to look like. By the way, here's what it needs to say in order to attract clients. Here are some actual cut and paste emails that you can literally type into your email browser and send to a client in order to close the deal. You know, on and on. There's just tools in this book that will help you make your first $100,000 as a coach or add $100,000 in the next calendar year. That's the goal of the book is to make you a hundred grand. So it's a pretty good deal considering it costs like 20 bucks on Amazon. <laughs> it sounds like a good deal. And, 
And once again, I, I, I do have to say that if you, guys, if you haven't read Building a Story Brand or Growing Growing Your Small Business, uh, put those on the list as well because they're phenomenal books. I'm excited for Coach Builder. Uh, last question, Donald. Uh, imagine it is the end of your life and people are standing around. There is family, friends, your daughter. There's colleagues. There's clients. There's people you've impacted. What would be your hope that they would whisper about you, your life, what you represented for them? He helped me. You know, he, he, he helped me love myself would be what I want my daughter to say. Uh, he helped me grow my business is what people who read books would say. I've got a group of about 20 close guy friends. Uh, I would just want, I would want them to feel like one of the most encouraging people in my life passed away today. You know, and I think all of us should have this, especially those of us who are thought leaders and experts and coaches. I, I want you to think of yourself, um, you know, as a, as a farmer and everything around you, because it's around you and what you've done to the land and what you've intentionally done, because of every, everything you've done in your life, things that get close to you grow. And I, I want, that's what I hope that people will say. Look, you get closer to that guy, you just grow. You just become a better version of yourself the more time you can get with them. And we've all known people like that, Colin. Yeah. Uh, but I just want to be one of those guys. Well, uh, you're on mission for that. So uh, I'm excited to, to uh, see how that rolls out even more. So you've been a blessing in my life. I know you will continue to. And um, thanks for coming on the podcast. Colin, what an honor to talk to you. Thank you. <laughs> Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step -step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.